Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek podcast. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who happen to have children on the autism spectrum. Join me, Elizabeth, and my co-host Vicki as each week we talk about Star Trek episodes, both new and old. Are you ready for the adventure? Come join us on Moms Going Boldly. And welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, where today we're talking about Strange New Worlds, Season 2, Episode 4, Among the Lotus Eaters. And I will go ahead and now read a short synopsis from the Memory Alpha Fandom website, which is a really cool website if you haven't already visited it. Returning to a planet that dredges up tragic memories, Captain Pike and his landing party find themselves forgetting everything including their own identities, as he confronts a ghost from his past. So did you like this episode, Vicki? I liked it. I don't think it needed to be as long as it was. <laughs> it was an hour, and it felt like an hour. Yeah. And personally, just me, the ear ringing noise was like fingernails on a chalkboard. Yeah. <laughs> but I did like, on the Spock side of things, that his logical approach for remembering who they were, didn't work. And in the end, he had to depend on Ortega's emotions and hunches. So I did like that. Yeah. I liked how they took, went back to the this story that is hinted at in the pilot, right. uh, the cage, yeah. where when we start that episode, Pike is talking about how he lost crew members on this last visit to Rigel 7, including his own yeoman. Now, I will say, when I watched the cage and... The Menagerie, which, of course, is the Star Trek series episode that took the pilot footage and incorporated into a story into the original series. I got the impression his yeoman was female. So did I. And maybe it's because that's all we really ever see in yes. the original series. Yeah. So this episode takes us back to that yeoman who actually wasn't killed but survived the attack and then incorporated himself as the leader of these people on Rigel 7. But I would have liked it if it had still been female. Chicks can be ruthless too. Chicks can make bad moral decisions too. I think it would have been okay to have it be a chick. So from that standpoint, I mean, it was fine that they chose to make the yeoman male. Yeah. And it was fine, though I was surprised at just what kind of a sort of weaselly person this guy ended up to be. He did not seem like he was Starfleet material. Not at all. But maybe seven years on a planet that's bombarded with radiation will do that to a person. So let's talk a little bit more about the story itself. We've got um, Captain Pike and Captain Battelle who are trying to steal 30 minutes of time together and, you know, support their romance by having dinner together, but they keep being interrupted by calm traffic. And eventually, Captain Patel gets notification that a Commodore ship that she was up for was given to somebody else. And it's in part because of her work as the attorney against Una in the court-martial case. And so she's being punished for not having an outcome that the evil Vulcan Admiral, he's not really evil, but the not nice Vulcan Admiral, the mean Vulcan Admiral, <laughs> didn't want to have. So Pike says, oh, well, maybe we should stop our relationship because I'm I'm having an effect on your career, which is like the worst thing to say when right. she's feeling down. 
Well, you know, and then he says maybe we should take some time. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I mean, technically, other than Una's trial and this mission right here, we haven't seen her since the pilot. I mean, really, how much space and time does he need to have from her? What he's trying to make it like it's for her, though. I know, I know. It was a horrible excuse. It was a horrible excuse. Yeah, and it felt contrived. Yeah, I guess he probably feels guilty about her losing the promotion. But I agree with Una. Yeah, that he has a, a, a habit of, of pushing away people when they get too close. Right. Yeah, and and I guess, okay, so let's let's examine that for a little bit. A, I thought this whole conflict between him and Captain Patel felt contrived because we haven't seen any evidence that there's difficulty between them before. Right. You know, even with the Una episode with her, with her court-martial, their relationship looked very strong, and, like, they really understood and knew each other. Yeah. So this is weird. Second of all, have we seen any evidence that he pushes people away before? Yeah, it was all contrived, so she would be the one yeah. to make him remember later. But- and all they had to do was say something between Una and the captain about... Him knowing that he's going to be, you know, injured in the future, and that's why he's pushing people away. I think once he accepted his fate, like I said, we weren't going to have to hear about that anymore. Perhaps. We've got to have a reason for this behavior. Right. I didn't think they were going to bring it up anymore. And yes, that would have made more sense. But maybe that was his behavior before he even found out. And we just haven't seen it because this is the only person we've seen him with. Right, you know? and it's still a stretch. But anyway, so that is a very small sort of part of this story, but it does have a connection with later in the story, which is why we're spending some time on it. Then it's, uh, when Captain Patel leaves, because she's sort of like, you're a dork. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see ya. Then we hear that they've got this new mission from Starfleet, and we learn that it's to go back to Rigel 7, where this conflict took place they were only on the planet for four hours they lost three people it's a violent terrible place they've been watching it from afar with you know space spy cameras and they have discovered a starfleet insignia has been worked into the ground in like a garden and so there's been cultural contamination violation of the prime director if they have to go back and get, take care of it then we get this really cute scene with Lieutenant Ortegas, who is very excited because the atmosphere is so choppy and dangerous. She's been tasked to be part of the landing party to fly the shuttle down. And she's really excited because she doesn't actually get to be on the landing party that often because she's the one that flies the ship. Right. So she's ready to go. She's in her costume, you know, to blend in with the people below. And then she's met with Spock, who says... You know, it's actually really dangerous up here, too, to fly the ship, so we need Lieutenant Ortega's here. So she doesn't get to go to the landing. Right, and you could see her face as he's talking, and then she tries to brush it off like nobody noticed what he said. Okay, let's get going. (laughs) Yep. So it's funny and interesting and actually a really good character development moment between Spock and Ortega's because he's like, you can't blame me for this, and she's just like, be quiet. Just be quiet. (laughs) Anyway, so then the captain flies the ship down, and Ortega's has to stay on the Enterprise to fly the ship in the dangerous asteroid field that surrounds the planet so it's just the captain and laon and dr mbenga who's been selected for his fighting skills yeah as opposed to his doctoring skills yeah uh and we know laon is a fighter i don't know is pike a fighter do we be seeing pike fighting 
much except uh, you know like throwing a few punches here and there i'm trying to remember i'm trying to re- remember discovery and i can't remember you so. know we we've seen mbenga fighting we've seen laon fighting so right. we know that they go and they train themselves to do their skills i don't know if pike does the same thing i don't yeah. recall seeing that I don't anyway either. so that's the three of them who's gone down to the planet and they get there and they discover that zach the yeoman is not dead but he's just sort of taken over the planet right. and he's pissed which also doesn't make sense. This character did not make sense to me. He's pissed because they left him behind, but he's made himself a good life there because he's king of the Rigel Sevens now. <laughs> so are you happy or are you not happy? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> the only, I think, explanation is is that we learn there's a lot of radiation on the planet. Mm-hmm. And the late radiation actually is damaging the Rigelians. And so he, in his anger, kicks them out into the open, and they get stuck in a cage... And they lose their memories. And we, are, we know that they're being impacted by this radiation because we get to see a ringing in the ears, which is very loud. It's very piercing. And then they lose time. Now, why didn't Laon say, I have a complete memory blackout from the shuttle to six kilometers away? I mean, that is so irresponsible, and it doesn't seem like her as the security officer. Right. I thought she wasn't going to tell him anything was wrong, so at least she did that. But yes, I hate that, because why wouldn't you? doesn't make sense. Yes. Everything that happens after that is premised on behavior that doesn't seem to be normal for her. Right. And so that, that kind of, I was kind of disappointed in that. We're going to pause right here for a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at EurekaRewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. Attention Warehouse fans. Kim and Vicky continue on with the Warehouse theme on the 13th Warehouse with Friday the 13th, the 1988 television series. Follow Mickey, Ryan, and Jack as they hunt for cursed antiques sold by Uncle Lewis to unsuspecting and sometimes suspecting patrons of his antique shop. So stick with us on the 13th Warehouse for Friday the 13th, the series. You can listen to the 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So they're kicked out into the cold, and they're put into a cage, and then they're brought out of the cage the next morning to be laborers. And there is this man who is our exposition person who's telling us what's going on we have a forgetting they've had a bad forgetting everybody forgets we have a totem that tells us who we are every morning because we've forgotten and then we spent a lot of time there yeah too much talking about the forgetting too much yes (laughs) yeah that's where i agree with you it took too much time okay we get it they're forgetting what are they going to do right and it took too much time there right and with this guy who was a really nice character I think he was probably one of the best actors, guest actors in this episode. He was. But yeah, Um, the whole thing just took too much time. Took too much time. So we finally get back to, uh, Captain Pike goes back to where Zack is in the palace to find the cure to get their memories back. Right. He's come to get their memories back. And then there's, there's a long fight scene there too. Fortunately for this episode, there is a B story. Even with 
the B story, it's too long, but there is a B story that I think saves the episode, and that is that the Enterprise starts experiencing the forgetting as well. Though they move a lot faster in trying to figure out what's going on. Yes. So they re- figure out there's a problem. They Spock gives everyone a tablet, you know, a pad to remember who they were. But unfortunately, he can't read it. I don't know. I don't understand why they can't read it. The selectivity of the memory loss is interesting. Why couldn't he read it? Right. I didn't understand that either. I don't know. And Luke, who is the guide on the planet, he says, you don't forget the things that you have long-term memory for. Right. Like, but you forget the short-term memory things. Well, wouldn't you have long-term memory for reading? Right, right. So that was confusing to me. Yeah. But it's fun because Lieutenant Ortega saves the day. Yeah. She figures it out. She goes back to her quarters because she's freaked out because she doesn't remember anything. And the computer talks to her and she asks questions. The computer answers her and she figures out she's the one that flies the ship. I'm Lieutenant Erica Ortegas and I fly the ship. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably the best thing in the episode. She goes back to the, the bridge and she's like, I'm going to figure this out with my feelings. And he's like, feelings are not logical. And she's like, yeah, they're logical right now. Feeling this, feeling through this now. And she saves the ship flies it you know expertly through this asteroid field gets away from whatever's causing the radiation and the memory loss um and meanwhile captain pike is down just beating the crap out of zach right <laughs> which seems also atypical for his character but yeah, finally his memories come back because the palace is made of a mineral an ore that blocks the radiation blah 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 he gets his memories back everybody gets their memories back and then the Enterprise removes the asteroid that ca- is causing the radiation problem from the planet, and all is well. Right. And Spock's like, isn't this a violation of the Prime Directive? And Pike says, this asteroid was an event that changed the course of this planet's history. And I'm thinking, um, dinosaurs? Right, it is. So I'm thinking, yeah, that actually is a violation <laughs> of the Prime Directive, but okay. <laughs> And that's the episode, which is, you know, uh, you know, I, and it was not bad Star Trek. It wasn't the worst episode I've ever seen. Oh, it's no. not one of my favorites. No, absolutely not. I haven't come across an episode I didn't like in this yeah. series yet. I'm never going to say I don't, well, I don't want to say never, but so far. So far. When I say it's too long, it's still a good episode as compared to some other things, you know? Yeah. And is there anything else from the episode that I didn't mention that you took note of? I did take note of Ortega when she was wandering around and how she did seem to recognize Nurse Chapel. Nurse Chapel looked at her but turned away, but Ortega seemed to know her, you know, like emotionally. Yeah. And did we not discuss somewhere along the line that Ortega has a thing for her that we thought? Oh, did we? Did we speculate on that somewhere in the first season? Ah, that's ringing some bells, but I don't remember the details, and I don't remember the episode where we came to that conclusion. I don't either, but I I thought of it when I saw that reaction, because Nurse Chapel stopped, looked at her, and walked away. Ortega, you could see an emotion. She sort of lit up. Yeah, you could see that there was a, you know, she remembered. So that kind of solidified the conversation that... I might have dreamed, but we thought. I think we had. It's ringing a very quiet bell. Not annoying ringing, yeah. but a quiet ringing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Anything else that you saw in this episode that we should talk about? So, Rigel 7 is... Yeah. I know they mentioned it in the cage, but it's that backdrop that you like. Yes. Right, yes, okay. That's what I thought. 
Yeah. And I think it's cool that they took us back there and kind of filled in the backstory for that particular right. um, incident. I, right. I, I, I liked that. Yeah. What uh, rating would you give this episode on a scale of 1 to 10? I'm going to go 7.5. All right, six and a half to seven. Oh for me. wow! Okay. Again, not 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 bad. You know, a good solid C plus B minus. Yeah. Yeah. It was just too long. So okay, all right, very good. Well, we invite our listeners to join us when we talk about Star Trek: Strange New Worlds season two, episode five, charades. Looking forward to that one. I'm probably going to watch it right after this. <laughs> all right. I hope you enjoy it. So we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at momsgoingboldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter at Ross Bugden, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. You can listen to Moms Going Boldly on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. And we're now also available on Apple Podcasts. Transfer complete.